appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says that these qualities were exhibited in the life of Christ because of his attitude. He also says that we can have this same attitude in our lives. We have a visual example of a Christian attitude, and we are encouraged to attain it. The result of a changed attitude is to prove and fulfill God's will. Attitude living, like attitude flying, says my attitude dictates my performance. That canopy represents a lot of ground to cover in one tape. We'll need to examine what an attitude is and why it is important, what the necessary ingredients are for a high-performance attitude, what causes an attitude to become negative and disappointing, and how a wrong attitude that is working against us can be turned around to work for us. Along the way, we will discover the attitude indicators revealed in persons described in the Bible, the best handbook on attitude performance available since God himself gave it to us. Obviously, this tape will not be the last word on this critical subject, but I hope it will be an enlightening word to those who understand the importance of the attitude. I pray it will be helpful to those who want to change. Chapter 2. The Attitude. What is it? Hardly a day passes without the word attitude entering a conversation. It may be used as a complaint or a compliment. Sometimes we sense it, and other times we see it. Yet, it is difficult to explain. An attitude is an inward feeling expressed by behavior. That is why an attitude can be seen without a word being said. Haven't we all noticed the pout of the sulker? or the jutted jaw of the determined? Of all the things we wear, our expression is the most important. Since an attitude often is expressed by our body language and by the looks on our faces, it can be contagious. Have you noticed what happens to a group of people when one person, by his expression, reveals a negative attitude? Or have you noticed the lift you receive when a friend's facial expression shows love and acceptance? Sometimes the attitude can be masked outwardly, and others who see us are fooled. But usually the cover-ups will not last long. There's that constant struggle as the attitude tries to wiggle its way out. We have all experienced inner conflict. Whenever a sincere Christian asks me to help him with his spiritual walk, I always talk about obedience. The simplicity of the hymn, Trust and Obey, by James H. Samus points to the importance of our obedient attitude to our spiritual growth. It says, When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. During the time of congregational renewal, at Skyline Wesleyan Church, where I was the senior pastor, my heart was challenged with the words of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who said, Whatever he, speaking of Jesus, says to you, do it. I shared with my congregation this thought of obedience drawn from the story of Jesus' miracle at the wedding in Cana, as portrayed in John chapter 2, verses 1-8. through 8. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it, even though you are not in the right place. They were at a wedding, not a church, when Jesus performed the miracle, some of God's greatest blessings will be at other places if we will be obedient to Him. 
even though you have a lot of problems. Whatever he says to you, do it. You see, they had run out of wine. Too many times our problems drive us away from Jesus instead of to him. Christian renewal begins when we focus on God's power and not on our problems. Whatever he says to you, do it, even though you are not encouraged. Jesus said to those at the wedding, My hour has not yet come. Instead of being discouraged by those words, Mary laid hold of the possibility of a miracle. Whatever he says to you, do it, even though you have not walked with him very long. The servants who obeyed Jesus had just met him, and the disciples had just started following the Lord, yet they were expected to obey him. Whatever he says to you, do it, even though you have not seen him work miracles in your life. This was our Lord's first miracle. The people in this situation had to obey him without his having a previous track record. Whatever he says to you, do it, even though you don't understand the entire process. From this biblical story, we can draw out a definition for obedience. It is listening to the words of Jesus and doing his will. Inward obedience provides outward growth. Psychologist, philosopher James Allen states, A person cannot travel within and stand still without. Soon what is happening within us will affect what is happening without. A hardened attitude is a dreaded disease. It causes a closed mind and a dark future. When the attitude is positive and conducive to growth, the mind expands and the progress begins. What is an attitude? It is the advanced man of our true selves. Its roots are inward, but its fruit is outward. It is our best friend or our worst enemy. It is more honest and more consistent than our words. It's an outward look based on past experiences. It is a thing which draws people to us or repels them. It is never content until it is expressed. It is the librarian of our past. It is the speaker of our present. It is the prophet of our future. Chapter 3 The Attitude Why is it important? We live in a world of words. Attached to these words are meanings that bring varied responses from us. Words such as happiness, acceptance, peace, and success describe what each of us desires. But there is one word that will either heighten the possibility of our desires being fulfilled or prevent them from becoming a reality within us. While leading a conference in South Carolina, I tried the following experiment. To reveal the significance of this word, I read the previous paragraph and asked, What word describes what will determine our happiness, acceptance, peace, and success? The audience began to express words such as job, education, money, and time. Finally, someone said, Attitude. Such an important area of their lives was a second thought. Our attitude is the primary force that will determine whether we succeed or fail. For some, attitude presents a difficulty in every opportunity. For others, it presents an opportunity in every difficulty. Some climb with a positive attitude while others fall with a negative perspective. The very fact that the attitude makes some while breaking others is significant enough for us to explore its importance. Studying the major statements listed in this part of the tape will highlight this truth to us. Attitude axiom number one. 
Our attitude determines our approach to life. Our attitude tells us what we expect from life. If our nose is pointed up, we are taking off. If it is pointed down, we are headed for a crash. One of the valid ways to test your attitude is to answer this question. Do you feel your world is treating you well? If your attitude toward the world is excellent, you will receive excellent results. If you feel so-so about the world, your response from the world will be average. Feel badly about your world and you will seem to have only negative feedback from your life. Look around you. Analyze the conversations of people who lead unhappy, unfulfilled lives. You will find that they are crying out against a society which they feel is out to get them and to give them a lifetime of trouble, misery, and bad luck. Sometimes the prison of discontent has been built by their own hands. The world doesn't care whether we free ourselves from this prison or not. It marches on. Adopting a good, healthy attitude toward life does not affect society nearly so much as it affects us. The change cannot come from others. It must come from us. The Apostle Paul had a terrible background to overcome. He told Timothy that he was the chief of sinners, but after his conversion he was infused with desire to know Christ in a greater way. How did he fulfill this desire? Not by waiting for someone else to assist him. Neither did he look backward and whine about his terrible past. Paul diligently pressed on to lay hold of Jesus. His singleness of purpose caused him to state, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are responsible for our view of life. The Bible says, Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Our attitude and action toward life help determine what happens to us. It would be impossible to estimate the number of jobs which have been lost, the number of promotion missed, and the number of sales not made, and the number of marriages ruined by a poor attitude. But almost daily we witness jobs that are held but hated, and marriages that are tolerated but unhappy, all because people are waiting for others or the world to change instead of realizing that they are responsible for their behavior. God is sufficient to give them the desire to change, but the choice to act upon that desire is theirs. It is impossible for us to tailor-make all situations to fit our lives perfectly, but it is possible to tailor-make our attitudes to fit. The Apostle Paul beautifully demonstrated this truth while he was imprisoned in Rome. He certainly had not received a fair shake. The atmosphere of his confinement was dark and cold. Yet he writes to the church at Philippi, brightly declaring, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Notice that the confined man was telling carefree people to rejoice. Was Paul losing his mind? No. The secret is found late in the same chapter. Paul states, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. The ability to tailor-make his attitude to his situation in life was a learned behavior. It did not come automatically. The behavior was learned and a positive outlook became natural. Paul repeatedly teaches us by his life that a man 
helps create his own environment, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual, by the attitude he develops. Attitude axiom number two. Our attitude determines our relationship with people. This axiom takes on a higher significance when as Christians we realize that effective ministry to one another is based on relationships. Yet establishing such relationships is difficult. People are funny. They want a place in the front of the bus, the back of the church, and the middle of the road. Tell a man there are 300 billion stars and he will believe you. Tell that same man that a bench has just been painted and he has to touch it to be sure. People are frustrating at times. They show up at the wrong place at the wrong time for the wrong reason. They are always interesting but not always charming. They are not always predictable because they have minds of their own. You can't get along with them and you can't make it without them. That's why it's essential to build proper relationships with others in our crowded world. The Stanford Research Institute says that the money you make in any endeavor is determined by 13% of knowledge and 87% by your ability to deal with people. That is why Teddy Roosevelt said, the most important single ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun, asserted John D. Rockefeller. J. Paul Getty, when asked what was the most important quality for a successful executive, replied, It doesn't make much difference how much other knowledge or experience an executive possesses. If he is unable to achieve results through people, he is worthless as an executive. Usually, the person who works well with people and rises within an organization has a good attitude. The promotions did not give that individual an outstanding attitude, but an outstanding attitude resulted in promotions. A recent study by Telemetrics International concerned those nice guys who had climbed the corporate ladder. A total of 16,000 executives were studied. Listen to the difference between executives defined as high achievers, those who generally have a healthy attitude, and low achievers, those who generally have an unhealthy attitude. High achievers tended to care about people as well as profits. Low achievers were preoccupied with their own security. High achievers viewed subordinates optimistically. Low achievers showed a basic distrust of subordinates' abilities. High achievers sought advice from their subordinate. Low achievers didn't. High achievers were listeners. Low achievers avoided communication.